Hello everyone, welcome to One More Question, a podcast where we can't decide if we should use the male or female narrator voice on GarageBand. In all fairness, they sound extremely similar. I can't tell the difference. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure either. So, my name is Dashiell Mace, and with me, you've already heard the delightful... Daniel Newton. And Daniel, what is our question today? Why does your intro always make me sound like a voicemail recording? It's like, you've reached the phone of Daniel Newton. That's what, that's what it sounds like. Anyway, the question is, how does investing work? We've been getting a lot of questions from people saying, hey, I have a job, I'm out of college, or I'm a college student and I want to be able to retire or send my kids to college one day. How can I do that? And today we want to give you some practical advice on how to think about your money. Yeah, and before we start, it's just kind of interesting seeing as people get older, they're um, objectives kind of change because when you first get to college it's like oh we got to get good grades and then it becomes oh we got to get a job and now it's like well how will I have money in 40 years so our scope of uh, issues is widening right so Dashiell has been sitting on some cash for a while and recently invested in the stock market so tell us a little bit about how that's gone for you um terrible I think the Dow has gone down both days I've been in the market a lot, and I've lost like 5% of my money so far, which is a little bit terrifying. <laughs> right, and so that can happen. There is no silver bullet in investing, but there kind of is, actually. It's called long-term value investing, and we're going to explain why Dashiell is not going crazy because he lost 5% in the first week. So tell me a little bit about your long-term vision for your investment. So basically, my I met with a certified financial planner over uh, Christmas break, and I realized that I have enough money that I want to start planning for retirement and for the long term. So I've started saving, and most of it I don't plan to withdraw for you know, 40, 50 years. I have held some aside that I'm like, okay, this is for a rainy day short-term costs, but basically, how can I build and generate wealth with the money I currently have? Right. And they've done studies in the stock market of if you put it in January 1st and you decide to take it out the next year, there's a 75% chance that you've made money. Now, when you consider that over 40 years, the probability of you making money and significant money is really, really high because the S&P 500 averages 10% over its entire 100-year mm -hmm. existence. And that's what Dashiell was making the play on. It's not what is this going to do in a week, but what is it going to do over 40 years? And when you factor in compounding, then you can make a lot of money by doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, exactly. And 10%, just to put it in perspective, is a crazy high return on investment. I mean... If you look at gold or real estate, they over a hundred years have never been able to match that one that ten percent return. That's a really good return, and especially for something as common as the stock market, it's amazing that it can consistently give such high returns. Right, and so the first thing to talk about in investing is that there are different vehicles to use in making money. The first is throwing in a checking account, a money market account, or essentially burying it in your backyard. You're not going to make money, but that money isn't going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Most banks are insured by the federal government up to $250,000. So if the world collapses, you're going to get that money back. However, 
you're not going to make money. Yeah. And it's important to have some money in those kinds of accounts to cover, oh, I lost my job and I need money for two to three months to cover my expenses while I find a new job. So you can't just put all your money in stocks because there's this idea of being, you know, uh, what is it? Wealth rich but money poor kind of thing where if you don't have the currency to spend, you're going to go hungry even if you have a lot of stock. Right. So typical recommendation is about six months for an emergency fund that is very liquid, which means you can access that quickly in case your car breaks down or an unexpected medical something happens, you'll be okay. The second type of investment is a bond. And essentially, this is you loaning government, loaning, excuse me, loaning money to a government or a bank or a corporation, and they pay you back a fixed amount every month or every year, and then they pay you back the entire amount that you invested at the very beginning. So this is low risk, but it's higher risk than putting your money in a bank. So you'll typically make like three to maybe six percent, mm-hmm. depending on what the market is doing. So Low risk, but also low reward. Yeah, and one important thing to note is if a company, say, goes bankrupt, if you're holding stocks, which we'll talk about in a second, you basically lose all your money. But if you have bonds, you're a debt holder, and debt holders actually will get at least a percentage of their money back, so that also helps kind of uh, insulate you from risk. Right, and the last main bucket we'll talk about is stocks. And this is ownership of a company. So if you buy an Apple share, you are a 0.00001% owner of that company. And what that entitles you to is much higher risk. If the company goes out of business, likely you'll get nothing. But you also share in the upside. So Apple pays a dividend. So if they make money, they share that profit with their investors. Or you can also make money off of the equity value of that stock. So if you bought Apple 10 years ago, it was $100 a share. And then it went to like $600 a share, and then it split, which means each share became six shares, and then it became even more valuable. So that $100 investment, if you sold it 10 years later, was actually worth something like Mm $2,000. So imagine if you had bought 100 shares. That would have netted you a lot of money. So this is the high-risk, high-reward investment. Yeah, and to kind of go back to the example we were talking about earlier, stocks versus bonds, if a company does really, really well, if you're holding stock you do really, really well, but if you're holding a bond, you get your 3 to 5%. It doesn't matter if the company did well or just kind of stayed at the same level. Exactly. And so there are different types of ways to buy stocks. One is the example I gave earlier, a single stock in Apple Corporation. Another way is to do what Dashiell did and use a mutual fund. Mm-hmm. There's also ETFs, which are actually what I bought, okay. but they basically function like mutual funds. And mutual funds are basically taking a large number of stocks and pooling them together and then selling a portion of those shares of stock. And the idea is to diversify your risk. So if all you buy is Apple stocks, you better hope Apple does well, because especially if Apple does poorly, you lose all your money. But if you buy Apple and you buy Microsoft and you buy Ford and you buy Coca-Cola and however many companies, you're diversifying because a few will do well, a few will do poorly, and hopefully you'll average out doing well. The idea with a mutual fund is someone is curating which of those stocks to pick. So I'm not just out there picking 10 companies. They're hopefully trained professionals who have a lot of experience selecting which companies they believe will do well. 
And the reason you diversify is what we've seen in the oil market. So if you went 100% invested in oil companies, <laughs> you would have lost a ton of money. But if you were diversified and say you had some oil and then some shipping companies, shipping companies are doing great because their biggest expense is much lower than it used to be. So you would have lost some in the oil, but you would have made some in the shipping. So that's why you diversify because the economy is constantly changing. And if you diversify risk, you're much more likely to make less of a return, but a more steady and risk-free return. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one last thing I'll mention is that there are two main types of investing. There's a lot, but the first one I'll mention is speculative investing. And this is what we saw in the dot-com bubble of stocks being bought because they were just going up in value and everyone else was buying it. This is not a solid investing strategy. It's great if you're Mark Cuban because he made a lot of money because he got out at the right time, but very few people can time the market. It's almost impossible to do. So what we recommend is value investing. And this is long-term. This is looking at, this is what Warren Buffett does. He buys a company that has a good management team, that is in a good market, that has a history of strong performance in the past that for some reason is undervalued today. Maybe they're in a less sexy industry than another company like tech stocks are, are really sexy right now. So he buys a you know real estate company that no one really cares about and then holds it for a really long time and it makes him a lot of money. And one tool to evaluate this is called a P to E ratio, price to earnings. So it's how valuable does the market value this company compared to how much they're earning. And what you can do is use this ratio to compare it to similar companies in its industry and see if it's overvalued or undervalued. So you can compare Google to Apple to Facebook. And if one of them, say, has a P to E ratio of 10, while all the others have 20, then that could be considered an undervalued stock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one way I like to think of it to avoid this idea of speculation is I think of my money as when I invest in something, I'm putting my confidence in it. I'm personally backing that this company is going to do well. And I don't want to just speculate on a company and think, oh, well, I think they're going to do well because their tech company and their CEO is cool. I want to say, okay, this company has the potential to earn a lot of money. They have good, um, you know, they're doing a good product. They're They've got a good CEO. They have a lot of value in their company that's being undervalued. I'm going to put my faith in that, and I'm going to put my money behind it and back it. Right. And the last thing I'll mention here is a very popular strategy with investing professionals. is called dollar cost averaging. It's really hard to time the market. But if you put in a set amount every month, you'll ride the ups and downs, and you'll be able to buy more when it's undervalued and you know, a little bit less when it's overvalued, but you're still getting in the game when the market's going up in that case. And doing this takes a lot of the stress out, and it makes sure that you are steadily increasing your investments over time, and it will set you up for success. It also does take self-control, though, because when you see the market going down, you really want to pull out your money and say, okay, well, I'm going to wait till this hits bottom and then buy again. But honestly, if you're trying to pursue that strategy, it's basically glorified gambling because almost no one is able to predict the market. There isn't a good way to gather feedback about what was makes a good and a bad decision in terms of stock investing. So trying to predict that market's just going to become gambling in the end. So putting in a fixed amount o over time 
will really help you avoid that temptation to just try and guess and bet your money willy-nilly. Right, right. So that's all we have for today. Let us know if you have any specific questions that we can help you understand in investing or anything else. And uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Thank you.